Did you notice that Hedwig has not come back? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hedwig is mad. <laughs> You're listening to Mimble Wimble the Harry Potter podcast. I'm Aishwarya. I am Prashantri. This is episode 5 and we're going to discuss the events leading up to Ron finding out about Harry's superpower. Let's start with a summary. After hearing the myth of Chamber of Secrets, the trio return to the scene of crime to investigate. They see many spiders fleeing the castle and Ron reveals that he is afraid of them. While many people in the school are convinced that Harry is the heir of Slytherin, the trio is convinced that Malfoy is the person who is controlling the monster. Hermione comes up with a plan to make Malfoy confess to his crime, the Polyjuice Potion. They steal ingredients from Snape's cupboard and start making it in the out-of-order girl's bathroom that is haunted by Moaning Myrtle. Gryffindor faced Slytherin in the first match of their term. During the match, Harry is followed around by a rogue bludger that ends up breaking his hand. He catches the snitch in spite of it and wins the game, much to Draco Malfoy's disappointment. Lockhart's attempt to mend Harry's bones goes really wrong and Harry ends up in the hospital wing. Dobby appears and warns Harry again, but they are interrupted by Dumbledore and McGonagall who bring in Colin Creevy's petrified body to the hospital wing. Lockhart and Snape start a dueling club to teach students how to protect themselves. During the duel, Malfoy sets the snake against Harry and Harry reveals to the whole school that he is a Parselmouth. And that's how Ron finds out about Harry's superpower. Right after Ron learns about the Chamber of Secrets, he says, I always knew Salazar Slytherin was a twisted old loony. I can understand that not a lot of details about the founders were out like not everybody knew everything about the founders and all that which itself is a little weird because when you go to a school or college usually they start talk by talking about the founders but we also know that the knowledge that the magical community at large has about these founders is very selective like for example they don't know about the chamber of secrets but Ron knows that Salazar Slytherin was a Parselmouth I thought that the continuity or the reasoning was missing there i think ron not knowing anything about the founders of hogwarts beyond knowing that slytherin is a twisted old loony is just another incident to illustrate how information is passed on in the magical community and the way information is passed on in hogwarts itself like you said one of the first things that people do when you go to an old institution right like places like that have been around for 200 years and stuff like that is there will be a tour and they will tell you like these people went here these people did this and stuff like that but hogwarts is not that kind of a place at all it's not very interested in passing along the traditions the history, the history towards i mean they have a class called history of magic where they only talk about goblin wars from what i have seen mm-hmm. and they're not very interested in any kind of recent history any time harry finds out anything it's because it happens to him and then he realizes oh this is what happens like even when they're trying to find out who nicholas flamel is right they have to go to a lot of trouble to find out who nicholas flamel is yeah. that i think i don't think the magical community is very organized mm. in terms of how it passes along history i think it's more of a passed along from father to son or mother to daughter kind of situation rather than a concentrated effort to educate the next generation about what happened in the past yeah and i think that works out really conveniently for the plot and for the whole story because such a story can happen only when there are parts about your past that you don't know yes to a lot of actually harry potter the series itself depends on harry not knowing a lot of information yeah one thing i found really surprising was when ron says that he would not join slytherin even if they paid him for it hermione agrees 
Hermione is usually the centrist, very level-headed person and maybe the incident with Malfoy and being called a mudblood changed her opinion but I expected her to be more, you know, I I see that there are some good qualities in Slytherin or something like that. I expected Hermione to be the one to say that Slytherin is basically not equal to pure blood supremacy. And that when the sorting hat tries to place people in Slytherin, it's not saying, oh, you believe pure blood are superior to other human beings. Let's put you in Slytherin. It yeah. says, it tries to put Harry in Slytherin because he is... He is resourceful. And the main thing about Slytherin is that you have a lot of ambition and you're resourceful. None of that is equal to darkness. Yeah. But, I mean, what usually ends up happening, the patterns we see is that when you have a lot of ambition and you're resourceful... Most of the time, you try to cut corners in a way that other people are not very happy with. You try to get stuff done and you do it in any means possible. And that's what often leads to stuff, situations like greater good and dark wizards. So yeah. Slytherins automatically become equal to bad bad guys, yeah. which I think is completely unfair. It's unfair that we don't get to see even one Slytherin that is actually good yes. in spite of being resourceful. Yes. But in this universe, I think even for Hermione, it would be hard to point to one person and say not all of them are bad because there's literally no one. And I get it. Being called a mudblood is not a picnic. Yeah. Her opinion of them might have changed over the past few days, but it might have also been the case right from the beginning. We never know. It's just surprising that Hermione would be with Ron on this. That's true. And Harry remembers that the sorting hat was going to put him in Slytherin. And I kind of get this feeling that not only is is everything happening around Harry to make it look like he's the one who's to blame, he's the culprit, but sometimes he, even he's not sure of himself. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way information is handed over in the visiting world he genuinely has no idea of something that he's doing that is very like normal that he thinks is normal like you know maybe the route he takes to class or he accidentally knocked against something and that's the reason things are happening no one has any idea and that really ties into the atmosphere of this novel because as things keep happening there's littler and littler information to come by about what is happening everybody starts getting really paranoid and crazy yeah even before things start happening people think Harry's the heir of Slytherin yeah. how did that happen? I know I didn't understand because just like Ron even I was disgusted by the development because at that point nothing had happened yeah he was just there and he was with Ron and Hermione no, I know I feel bad for Ron and Hermione no one thinks they're the heirs of Slytherin yeah I guess it's because Harry Potter Harry Potter's notorious Harry Potter who won against the Dark Lord probably is and who no powerful. one and who no one knows how he won against the Dark Lord yeah but also, another point I'd like to bring up, and this isn't directly mentioned in the books themselves, is that the Potters are an old wizarding family. And much like how, you know, the Weasleys are in Gryffindor and the Malfoys are in Slytherin, the Potters are also pretty much always in Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. So, it's really strange that someone would be like, oh my god, maybe he's the heir of Slytherin, when some genealogy research would have told them that he's not. Well, why are they not suspecting an actual Slytherin? Yeah, that, beyond me. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but I love Ron's reaction to everything. He's like, People here will believe anything, said Ron in disgust. I like that he believes in Harry more than Harry believes in himself. That's true. Ron is a good friend. And then I think these guys go and do one of my least favorite tropes in modern mystery shows. Which is, they go back to the scene of a crime some days after it happened. Sometimes, I mean, in most murder mystery shows, the time difference is usually in decades. (laughs) And then they try to find clues. And then they find a clue. (laughs) 
It's a really convenient place for all the spiders to escape. And they've been escaping for what, a week? <laughs> I also thought it was really stupid of them to go back to the scene of crime. Mm. Because they knew that they shouldn't have been there the first time. They go there and first see that there were a lot of spiders leaving the place. And Ron reveals that he has a fear of spiders. A completely understandable fear considering what happened to him. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking it is arachnophobia. Mm-hmm. But you can classify it as phobia only when it's irrational. I don't know if this is irrational fear because Ron has a very clear explanation for why he's afraid. Yeah, it's not irrational at all. I yes. mean, if I were holding a teddy bear and my brother turned it into a spider. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's a pretty advanced transfiguration for Fred, who was just five year old then. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think it's one of those cases where just like Harry, he made things happen without... Accidental magic. Him. If he does have arachnophobia, mm-hmm. he's among like... 3.5 to 6.1 of the world population that is affected by this fear. My God. That's a lot of people, right? Yeah. And I understand that spiders in Western countries are not like they are in India because mm. they are like huge and... Yeah, I know. Our spiders are a little spindly. So, yeah, I can understand the fear. Ron also mentions that he doesn't mind them if they are dead because they use it in potions. But in that case, it is really not arachnophobia because for people who are really affected by it, even images of spiders can trigger... Very emotional reactions, it seems. Looks like J.K. Rowling herself was afraid of spiders. Maybe is afraid of spiders. I mean, I guess that's where Ron's fear of spiders. <laughs> but Ron's fear of spiders does make for a lot of... I hate to call it entertainment, but it is very entertaining. <laughs> In the movie. Yeah. <laughs> because Looks Rupert, like Rupert Grint was also afraid of spiders. Because Rupert Grint's expressions are incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's not acting. It came out of real fear. Right? Yeah. Also, Hermione says one thing. Which I found was really intriguing. She says Dumbledore could not cure the cat. And that meant that it could not have been caused by a human. Which I found was really... Misinformed. Yeah, because... Misinformed, definitely. Because it could have been dark magic. Yeah. And also, who died and said Dumbledore is the greatest healer of all times? They didn't even attempt to take him to like a real hospital. Beyond... Madame Pomfrey, who I'm sure is like very competent and all, but in the end, she's a nurse at a school. In the later books, we see that there are a lot of uh, damages caused by dark magic that are irreversible. This could be one of them. I guess Hermione just misspoke this time. Mm -hmm. She didn't know the complete picture or she connected it to the Chamber of Secrets monster. Yeah. Which again, I found was really uncharacteristic of her Hermione, yeah. because she doesn't believe in myths she does she believes in facts yeah and if it's not in a book she's not going to believe it but this time she does that's true but i think that's also because she's not sure what's happening and so she's better safe to be sorry especially given that the message on the wall yeah i think a lot of things about Hermione has been uncharacteristic this time because either she's afraid or she's affected mm-hmm. both yeah but them lingering in the corridor leads to a meeting with Morning Myrtle yeah. because they find her bathroom. They realize that that's where all the water had come from the previous time. So they go to the bathroom to find her and to investigate. And Morning Myrtle starts talking to them. Ron is very tactless in most cases. But around ghosts, I think he becomes even more tactless. Because Morning Myrtle says that during the death day party, Peeves upset her so much. So she wanted to kill herself and Ron is like, well, you can't because you're already dead. <laughs> And the description reads he was trying to tell it helpfully. (laughs) (laughs) And he does the exact same thing with Sir Nicholas also, right? Yeah. In the first book. But this incident actually brought up a point we discussed in the last episode. We were talking about how ghosts only have five senses and touch Mm -hmm. is not one of them, right? Mm -hmm. But if touch isn't one of them, how is Morning Mortal able to make water splash? 
Yeah, at that point I was like, I'm going to give up trying to understand ghosts in Harry Potter world. <laughs> I'm just going to absorb everything and be like, okay, maybe that's possible. Maybe they have special power with water or something. Yeah. No, I'm not going to try to rationalize. Okay, fair and enough. Hermione is actually like... Honestly, that was almost cheerful for Myrtle. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I like that. When they come out of it, they get caught by Percy yeah. of all people. <laughs> and I like that... Percy gets angry just like Mrs. Weasley. He also swells and he's like, I'm going to write to our mother and say <laughs> that you're snooping around bathrooms. And randomly he connects it to Ginny being upset. Yeah. Like, why are you here again? Ginny already thinks that you are going to be expelled. I like to think of it as forced Ginny updates. We're not asking, but we're getting them. <laughs> right? Like, a lot of this book is a forced Ginny update. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way at all. <laughs> because I was really surprised when Ron tells Percy that you don't care about Ginny. You're just worried I'm going to mess up your chances of being head boy. I thought it was really cruel. I understand that Percy is power hungry. But I don't think him reprimanding Ron at that point because he went to a girl's bathroom really connects to him wanting power. I know. All three of them are convinced that Malfoy is the heir of Slytherin because he literally said your next mudbloods even before understanding what the message actually meant but i didn't understand their polyjuice potion idea because first step is malfoy confessing to these three after that what's the next step i agree you know how will they even go and tell another person that malfoy confessed to them it's not like they're recording him or yeah. anything like that right and also why is polyjuice potion like the only idea they have an invisibility cloak couldn't they just like go and hide in the common room or like his dorm It's a very good question. I have no idea. Him. The invisibility cloak never even comes up. Yeah. If it had been a bigger book, I I think invisibility that cloak would have would happened. Have happened. Yeah. yeah. But right now, I think she just wants to move the plot along and be like, okay, we should introduce Polyjuice Potion now. I also thought it was very convenient that when Snape names what the Polyjuice Potion is and what it does, he also says where you can find the recipe because that's what you tell a bunch of twelve-year-olds. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of the things that they get taught are dangerous. Mm-hmm. So this might have been one of those cases. Or it might have actually been one of those cases where Snape genuinely thought that these kids would not be able to brew a polyjuice potion yeah. which is why it didn't matter to him that he was disclosing yeah. where you can find the recipe and Yeah. Hermione is like the polyjuice potion recipe is in this book called Most Potent Potions and it's in the restricted section and they would need a teacher's signature to to go get it. And Ron is like, "Oh, come on. No teacher's going to fall for that. That have to be really th- Thick. And I love that segue. And the next yeah. chapter opens, and they're talking about Lockhart's class. <laughs> Lockhart's class is as entertaining as always because he's moved on from quizzes to acting out his books with Harry as the victim. Yeah, sometimes victim, sometimes the animal that yes. he's fighting. <laughs> the version of Harry that we get to read, or the version of Harry whose mind we are in, is a very subdued person who doesn't participate in a lot of things other than Quidditch. So when we get to hear things like how he has to howl like a werewolf and all, <laughs> I feel like I want to be there to see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's trying to work extra hard to make sure that the performance is good because they want to go get his signature to go to the restricted section. Lockhart picking Harry to do all this play acting is also so Lockhart. So I don't know if he wants to put down Harry or if he wants to ride on Harry's back, basically. I think he wants to put down Harry because he's showing how he can casually like make. the boy who lived 
do stuff for him so he's showing that he's superior because harry's acknowledging that he's superior by doing the things that he's asking him to do thankfully he signs the note so they went yeah. and get most potted portions out of the library when and he signs the note he actually pulls out an enormous peacock feather quill and ron is revolted i actually love ron in set of chapters everything he says and everything he does yeah, is when, so us like it's the reader's reaction to everything oh come on we'll get you another autograph Lockhart will sign anything if it stands still long enough. When Lockhart signs a note, he says the only thing to someone else which is not about him. He calls Hermione the most talented witch of the year. And I thought that was very endearing because even a fraud like Lockhart could see that there is no one that can match Hermione. It was really cool. Yeah. And I like that he casually puts down Harry again saying, "I hear you're a useful player." I was a seeker too. I was asked to try for the national squad, but preferred to dedicate my life to the eradication of the dark forces. And they said to start brewing the polyjuice potion, even though it'll take them a month. They probably have to steal a lot of ingredients from Snape's cupboard. There are not a lot of discussions going on. They are like, okay, this is the next thing. This is the next thing. There is no. doubt about their plan i mean usually in the later books we see that even if they plan something they think about it a lot and think about what can go wrong and they are a little more careful in this one they are not it's a total children's nancy drew type book <laughs> everything they do they do without thinking about consequences that's true just looking at the amount of ingredients that they need to make the polyjuice potion honest like it would be much easier if you just knock malfoy off his broom and i like that even though there's so much serious stuff going on in the school and a possible monster that is like not seen by anybody lurking around they still go and play quidditch yeah because they have to behave like things are normal otherwise they'll just be giving into the atmosphere that the air of slytherin wants it felt like the teachers were not really concerned about this because they don't believe in the chamber of secrets but we later find out that they do know that something like that exists at least dumbledore and mcgonagall know and bins must have known it for sure yeah i know he would have been there the last time yeah. it opened right so everybody is lying to the children it feels like they're also believing their own lie yeah so the first match of the season gets off to a bad start because one of the blodgers seems to have it in for harry the whole time it like literally follows him around so Fred and George end up flying like some kind of trio where Fred and George are on either side of Harry batting away that one bludger that's coming at him which leads me to the question what happens to the bludgers when there's a timeout because when they get a timeout and they go tell wood you know what the bludger won't leave Harry alone the bludgers don't try to attack Harry at that point yeah do they like just fall to the ground or is this waiting around i know maybe i think they they collect them back and put them in the box again and then they release it Also, also, I cannot believe Madam Hooch, the referee, does not think there's anything weird about one bludger following Harry around like that. Yeah, no one does anything. On top of all that, Wood has also told Harry to go get the snitch, no matter what. Get to that snitch before Malfoy or die trying, Harry, because we've got to win today. We've got to. I think they are all feeling a little down because the Slytherins have better brooms and they're really afraid of what's going to happen. Wood is trying to motivate them the only way he knows, mm. but like Fred and George say, it's a really stupid advice to give. Yeah, getting hit by a bludger that's like that has a doubt for Harry could mean that he is seriously injured and he might not even be able to make it to the next matches, right? But so Madame Pomfrey seems able enough to clear anything, as we see in this particular chapter itself, because Harry does get seriously injured. He breaks bones in an arm when he's trying to catch the snitch. He still manages to catch the snitch. 
but i thought the bludger sequence was pretty awesome in the movie not the part where it's literally following him around the stadium crashing through all the wooden railings and stuff but even when he falls to the ground the bludger is still trying to kill him yeah that's when it breaks yeah unlike in the book no scene. actually it breaks his arm even when he's in the air after oh, he yeah. falls down he's just trying to avoid the bludger that's when everybody realizes it's a problem because it's trying to attack him even when he's on the ground someone comes and breaks it yeah i think it's madam hooch madam hooch but i think that's like extra drama because a, a bludger that did not appear in the timeout cannot appear after the, the match is over also i really liked how malfoy is totally snubbed by harry malfoy is trying to trash talk harry throughout all this and he's trying to show how superior his broom is but even with a bludger following him around <laughs> harry was able to win the game yeah and i thought it was pretty interesting that even though malfoy has everything he needs to actually win this match right he has the superior broom he has no bludger following him around the match he's still the one that loses because harry is the one with eyes on the prize and malfoy yeah. is stopping there to taunt him along the way in tortoise versus the hare <laughs> he's definitely the hare <laughs> the only reason harry would continue the match even after his hand is broken because his target is malfoy yes <laughs> he wants to make sure that he loses yeah it's true and that's also because he saw the snitch i think if he had not seen it things would have been different yeah and that as you as always appears to make things much much, much worse. worse he's like when lockhart says he'll cure it for harry harry's like i'll keep it like this thing yes. <laughs> i don't know i don't even know why lockhart tries to show that he knows magic again and again he fails every time yes and it's very stupid for someone who we know is really clever and i can't believe none of the other teachers attempt to stop him i guess it had to happen you know poor harry he has a non bony hand <laughs> <laughs> She's like a fleshy glove as he calls it. Disgusting. I love Madam Pomfrey's rant. You're in for a rough night. Regrowing bones is a nasty business. Still tut-tutting about dangerous sports and inept teachers, Madam Pomfrey retreated. So because Harry lost all the bones in his arm, he has to drink Skelligrow to regrow the bones, which he describes as an incredibly painful process. Also it tastes disgusting. And he's left alone in the hospital wing also through it because Madam Pomfrey kicks everybody out. Yeah, in spite of which Wood is really thrilled that they won the match. Yes. <laughs> I can see the kind of person that Wood is like. He has like a singular focus on playing Quidditch. Remember how earlier in this episode we spoke about how Slytherins have ambition and resourcefulness? I think Wood definitely fits that. Yeah. Because he he has ambition. He wants Quidditch to win the Quidditch Cup. And his advice to Harry clearly shows that he's willing to do anything that... Mm. is necessary to like get it but not Harry cheating breaks, but not cheating sridharan's resort to even though they have the ambition and the yeah but resourcefulness doesn't always mean you cheat it means sometimes you like do things that other people might not be okay with which includes telling your secret to break his arms cheating <laughs> to die trying to die trying cheating is one of the ways and cheating is the route that you'll take if you don't really respect the sport i don't think all sridharan's are like that i think one of the downsides of the whole series is that J.K. Rowling is not really concerned with showing us that not all Slytherins are bad and... No, we get that later. It comes as a bigger picture rather than yes. a school thing. School thing. So like they are all in the same cookie cutter mold now. So before we get into the next part of this podcast, let's get into the Harry Potter story segment. This time we have a story from Vinod, a friend and listener of the podcast. Hi, this is Vinod Shankaran and this is a story of how I started reading Harry Potter. I'm a very late bloomer when it comes to reading books. I started reading books when I was 18 and around that time I thought Harry Potter was only for kids 
and uh, uh, I might not enjoy it. And that thought uh, has stayed with me for the next eight years. And then I met Prashanthini, one of the hosts of this podcast, actually. And she forced me to uh, read Harry Potter. Actually, she bullied me into reading Harry Potter. Otherwise, I would have never read Harry Potter. It was a different experience for me. First being, I don't have to wait a year for the next book like others. Uh, I could read all the books like one after other. I think I finished all the book in two, three weeks. And I'm also like uh, peering into Harry Potter as an adult. Um, it was a different experience than like most others because everybody had to grow up with Harry Potter. I don't have to. I am, I am seeing the progress of uh, Harry Potter as an adult. So it was, it was definitely different for me. And after I finished the book, I think I kept using Blimey again and again and again. Uh, the uh, Some of that word stuck into my head. Everybody noticed that around me as well. So yeah, the book stuck with me for a long period of time. I wouldn't say I'm a great fan of Harry Potter because I didn't like grew up with it. But it was a book that changed how I look at fiction. Because before Harry Potter, I don't think I've read any fiction at all. So uh, in that way, it was a difference maker for me. Thank you, Vinos, for sending in your story. If you'd like to be featured on this segment, record your Harry Potter story on your phone and send us the recording to mimblewimblepodcast at gmail.com. Now, back to the episode. So Harry's in the hospital wing. He has to stay there overnight because 33 bones in his hand are growing back and he is woken up suddenly in the middle of the night. He realizes with a thrill of horror that someone's sponging his forehead. That's the stuff that horror movies are made of. I know. You wake up and suddenly someone's taking care of you in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out to be Dobby. Dobby returns to give answers to many questions that we've had. Like, why couldn't Harry and Ron get through the train? Why did that bludger follow Harry around the Quidditch pitch? (laughs) Dobby says that even when Harry could not get through the barrier, he came to school anyway. And Harry is like, how did you know I didn't get through? But the whole school knows. Knows. Yeah, I know. I'm sure the whole magical community knows. Yeah. (laughs) It was in the newspaper, Harry. (laughs) And then that's when Dobby reveals that he was the one who was blocking the barricade. And then he had to iron his hands after that. For some reason, when I first read it... I thought he was physically blocking the barricade and his hands like broke or something oh, and he had to iron it. <laughs> then I realized he was punishing himself. Yeah. But Dobby should have really been in Slytherin because when Harry accuses him of trying to kill him, he says, Not kill you, sir. Never kill you. Dobby wants to save Harry Potter's life. Better sent home grievously injured than remain here, sir. You do whatever it is needed to get the job done, even <laughs> if it means that the person you're trying to protect is very nice. gravely injured. <laughs> Harry has the nerve to blame Dobby for almost getting expelled. Dobby was not the one who told them to fly the car. I know. Like nice passive aggressive behavior by Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Dobby also reveals that a house elf can only be freed if they get some kind of clothing from their masters. Does it mean that Dobby or the other house elves do not do laundry ever? I think they have to be handed clothing. So if you like left laundry on the floor and the house elf picked it up, it doesn't necessarily mean that they've been handed clothes. Okay. I don't understand Dobby's logic though. Why would he think that if Harry is like grievously injured, he would be sent home? Yeah, I don't get it either. He would be sent to the hospital. Yeah. Or the hospital. Yeah. Uh, not only is Dobby doing dangerous things, he's doing them based on really wrong assumptions. Yes. 
we know that dobby reveals that chamber of secrets has, has been, been opened. opened again like it has happened before and dumbledore later comes and reveals the same thing yeah but what dobby reveals is not just that he also says that it's bad for harry in a specific way and harry is like how can it affect me i'm a half blood and before he could answer he is interrupted right yeah by dumbledore and mcgonagall carrying colin creevy into the hospital wing who was trying to sneak up there with grapes how sweet yeah it is really sad he's frozen with his camera in his hand when mcgonagall says that maybe you took a picture captured the monster they realized that the camera is like completely melted and there's like black smoke coming out of it and dumbledore says that he was out to get hot chocolate and he found colin creevy i think all of dumbledore's lies just involve snacks yeah i agree you can say anything about snacks and get away with yeah, it yeah and be like yeah i was out for a midnight snack people believe you i thought dumbledore's statement at this point was very revealing because he says the question is how and it's not, not yeah not who not what but how he knows a lot of things that he's not telling anyone including mcgonagall who looks similarly confused and that's what's making me so mad about this whole thing because dumbledore's clearly aware of what's in the school yet he's not if the chambers has been open i think the first thing you should do is like send everybody back to their homes even if education is important i think being alive is, is more important. important and later on we find out the very tragic effects of the chamber being open the last time so i don't understand how they are so cavalier with the whole thing i know then harry goes to sleep and once he wakes up he realizes that all his bones have grown back and he's a little disappointed to notice that ron and hermione are not with him Yeah but when he goes to searching for them he realizes they're in the girls bathroom brewing the polyjuice potion everybody's heard that Colin Creevy was attacked so they thought they should get a head start on the potion itself isn't it strange that for once Hermione is the one spearheading the whole thing yeah she is like she will be breaking about 50 school rules and they're like are you the one talking <laughs> yes she's the one making the rash decision to do something instead of Harry i think this whole thing she's been driven by fear and and, and then comment on it even though it looked like hermione didn't take it too personally her behavior makes it look like she did hmm. and then he reveals the story of uh, dobby and then about colin creevy to them and they realize that hermione and ron tell that the whole school knows already how do they know i don't understand like is there a mole among the teachers i guess so maybe they overheard the teachers discussing it or something but then that must have been a terrifying prospect because yeah. a human is being affected now yeah and everybody must be like even more paranoid and probably some of them are wondering whether they should still continue to be in the school and all that yeah that, that sets out a flourishing trade in magical amulets yeah <laughs> <laughs> neville is the first one to fall for it and he thinks that he's almost a squib anyway and he'll probably be the one next poor even neville. though he's a pure blood poor neville and then they realize that malfoy is also staying in the school for christmas holidays which is really weird because why would malfoy do that yeah i know i don't get it either i think maybe he didn't want to miss anything what happens yeah also to make him look really suspicious i guess yeah for so long in these chapters snape doesn't appear at all mm. but when he does there is just so many the reaction that uh, harry has to snape being around is so funny when hermione wants to steal something from snape's cupboard Harry privately felt he'd rather face Slytherin's legendary monster than let Snape catch him robbing his office. And then when they plan to create some distraction so Hermione can go steal from the cupboard, again Harry's like deliberately causing mayhem in Snape's potions class was about as safe as poking a sleeping dragon in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Even later when the dueling club starts and Snape is glaring at Lockhart. Snape's upper lip was curling. 
Harry wondered why Lockhart was still smiling. If Snape had been looking at him like that, he'd have been running as fast as he could in the opposite direction. Harry's reaction to Snape is just amazing. I enjoy them yeah. just in, the, in this book. Especially because there have already been two close shaves. Robbing Snape's cupboard itself is a really dangerous thing right yeah. now. And Snape personally says that he would make sure that the person who did this will get expelled. Because um, Harry throws a filibuster firework into... Goyle's Cauldron. Goyle's Cauldron and it is a swelling potion. So everybody who gets hit by that, their features start swelling. Yes. <laughs> Nose, yeah. arms. Throwing a firework in Snape's classroom. Class. My God. Brave. And Harry's like, Snape knows that it's me. Yeah. Like, of course he does. Who else would do that? Yes. Who else would have the courage to do that? Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, and then they steal the ingredients and they use it on the potion. The next thing you know, there's a notice about Dueling Club. I thought Ron's comment about it was hilarious. What, you reckon Slytherin's monster can duel? What is the point of a dueling <laughs> club? Also, isn't this what Lockhart should be teaching in his everyday class? Yeah. And not have a specific club for it? I feel like they're trying to bring out the whole vain part of Lockhart more because if you start something cool, then you will be seen as someone who's like successful in their jobs and all that. It's still, it's ridiculous that they have a dueling club and then everybody signs up for it also for some dumb reason. Because they are afraid that... Yeah, how can the dueling club help? They are, dueling inherently means that you are facing against an opponent who is similarly matched. It's better than nothing. Defense against the dark arts should have been teaching you things to protect yeah. you from the dark arts. That's the truth, yeah. Yeah. When he and Snape face off, he does some kind of complicated wiggly notion and then drops his <laughs> wand. <laughs> yeah, and... He tells Harry to repeat what he did and Harry is like, what, drop oh, my wand? <laughs> I think the whole thing, the start of the dueling club and like people joining and there's a stage and everybody's standing around Harry and Malfoy who are set to face off. This whole thing is a pretty dramatic way to expose Harry's secret. I thought it was a very clumsy way of introducing Harry's secret because why did Snape tell Malfoy to conjure up a snake? I think he wanted Harry to be afraid yeah. and who's not afraid of a snake? You could have conjured up anything, no? You could have been like... Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I also thought it was all of the matchups before Malfoy and Harry get put into the limelight were very interesting. Yeah. Because poor Hermione, right? She gets put into a headlock by <laughs> Millicent Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many people are standing there, including teachers, and Harry has to be the one who's like separating them. Yeah, yeah I know. And Harry's first charm is to hit Malfoy with a tickling charm. It was funny. I mean, it started off very innocuous and like really grew into something dangerous. Yeah. But that scene, I really like that scene actually. See. Not only is the snake like advancing towards Harry, but because of what Lockhart did to the snake, it's even more angry. angry. Yeah, actually, I like the way the scene happens in the movie. Mm. The, the snake is just like chilling around. And then because of what Lockhart does only, the snake gets angry. Yeah, and it's happened. The same thing happens in the book. So it's advancing towards Harry and suddenly takes a detour and like tries to bite off Justin Justin Finch Fletchley's head. Yeah. I also have another question. How big is the snake? What is it? A boa constrictor if it's trying to bite someone's head off or swallow them whole? First Uh, off, snakes... I think it's a pretty big snake. Snakes don't chew. They swallow whole. But it was probably big enough to like bite Justin's neck. Probably would head head would fall off or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and then Justin like panics and then Harry's like, stop it. Yeah, he is taken over by something that he doesn't know what it is. And he talks to the snake. He'll be in complete control of the snake. He'll be like, okay, stop it. And he'll understand that the snake won't do any harm. 
that's when snape comes forward and vanishes the snake oh also you were just asking why malfoy set a snake on harry i think one of the reason is snape knows that harry robbed his cupboard or harry created the distraction right i think he was trying to take revenge i guess scare him into falling in line maybe so basically snape vanishes the snake but harry who thought that all this would lead up to him being celebrated as a hero again as mm-hmm. usual mm-hmm. he realizes that most people are looking at him very strangely including snape who's looking at him in a calculative manner which is mm-hmm. not the usual hatred yeah. coming out and i really like that scene even in the movies because the way alan rickman looks at daniel radcliffe it's really like who are you kind yeah, of I look because <laughs> that's the last thing you'd expect from harry potter yeah Hermione and Ron act quickly and like take Harry away and Harry doesn't understand what's going on and he keeps asking them and then I think that reveal is really dramatic and really cool. Mm. You're a parcel mouth. Why didn't you tell us? I'm a what? said Harry. A parcel mouth, said Ron. You can talk to snakes. He's like, Yeah, I knew. <laughs> I have spoken to a snake before and it's like, "What?" And then he's like, "I wanted to go to Brazil." And like, Ron's like, "A snake told you it has never been to Brazil." <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And it's really strange that Harry has never revealed that to anybody. Yeah. How does Harry know that he's not related to Slytherin? He doesn't. Yeah, he's done no research about his family to be like, "Oh, yeah. I know I'm not related to Slytherin." Slytherin. He just says it can't be. And moreover, I think it ends in a way that makes it look like he might be. Yeah. And now the whole school's going to think you're his great-great-great-great-grandson or something. That's why the sorting hat wanted to put, put him in Slytherin and all that. And that's why he's able to. But yeah, basically Ron and Hermione revealed that talking to snakes was one of the things, things that Salazar Slytherin was famous for. And that's why the, the sigil of the house is a snake. That is a very shocking information that... somehow harmony and ron no but harry, harry doesn't, doesn't know yeah <laughs> i also think ron is just surprised because he's honestly shocked that harry would hide something like this from him maybe he <laughs> thought he knew harry and then yeah. suddenly he finds out like you can talk to snakes i like that it's not like a one time thing being a parcel mouth is not something that that's relevant only for this book yeah. i like that it's a it's a part of a bigger story but what i found really annoying in the movie is like how lengthy the dialogue was to just say stop it in parcel tongue i know I find it strange that snakes also just listen when someone says something in a language they know. Yeah, I know. People say stuff to us all the time. It's not like we listen. Exactly. They're not like, hey, why should I? His head looks biteable. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we'll be discussing the events that lead up to Ron turning into crab. That's chapter 11, the dueling club and chapter 12, polyjuice potion. You can discuss this episode with us by... dropping a comment in our website mimblewimble.in you can also discuss this with us personally on twitter i am at underscore m press m p r a s and aishwarya is at valley under chim oh my god you got it right <laughs> yes <laughs> and you can also follow our podcast on twitter at mimblewimble pod at mimblewimble pod <laughs> guess i can't get everything right <laughs> so until the next episode Training for the ballet, Potter.